this morning, I want to just talk a little bit about what Jesus did while he was here on the earth. I want us to talk, I want you to just have a little uh, review of some of the things that, that Jesus did. When we go through the Gospels and we read about the ministry of Jesus, the things that happened when Jesus showed up, where he went and what he did. You know, we could probably go around this room, all of us have a favorite story. You remember the story of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, who came to Jesus and he said, my little girl is dying, would you please come to my house? His 12-year-old girl was dying. It didn't matter that, that Jairus was a synagogue ruler. It didn't matter that the, that the Jews were in opposition to Jesus. It didn't matter about his position. All he knew was there was the answer that he was looking for, and he was willing to sacrifice anything. And what did he get? Life. Life for his little girl that was dying. Everywhere Jesus went, what happened? There was life. When Jesus showed up, there was life. We read about the man who was possessed of demons, was there in the, in, the, in the cemetery. They came to him, they tried to bind him with chains. And everything that they tried to do to hold him, he would break it off because, because of these demons that were filling his life. What happened when Jesus showed up? There was deliverance. He was set free from all those things. No man could do what he needed. But when Jesus showed up, he was set free. There was deliverance. Remember the woman who was caught in adultery? They were standing there ready to throw stones at her. And Jesus looked at her and looked at those people and he said, Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped their stones and they walked away. When Jesus showed up, what happened? There was forgiveness. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. I'm going to kick this out a little bit if you don't mind. When Jesus showed up, things happened. Things changed. In fact, Jesus did so many things. We read about it in John chapter 21, verse 25. It said Jesus did many other things as well. It says, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room enough for the books that would be written. You see, what we read in the Bible is just a, it's just a, a teaser, just a little taste of what he's got. It's just a little taste of what he has for us. When Jesus showed up, there was life. When Jesus showed up, it was exciting. When Jesus showed up, it was powerful. When Jesus showed up, it was life-changing. You could not encounter Jesus face-to-face and go away the same way. Something was going to happen. Wherever Jesus showed up, there was good news. I think somebody just told you guys just recently, if it's gospel, it's got to be good news. If it's gospel, it's got to be good news. Jesus is the good news. Wherever Jesus showed up, everything that was bad became good. What seemed like an impossible circumstance, all of a sudden miracles began to happen. Because when Jesus shows up, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are here. Because he's not operating in the things of this world, he's operating in another realm. He has has come and he's brought his kingdom. And how many of you know that his kingdom is superior to every other kingdom in this world? And so when Jesus shows up, everything has to change. When Jesus shows up, it's good news. No more bad news, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more reason to come come dragging yourself in, dreary and beaten down, because when Jesus shows up, it's good news. So what happens when Jesus shows up today? What happens when Jesus shows up today? Hebrews 13.8, we should know this one by heart. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Jesus does not change. His anointing has not decreased. His power is no less today than it was then. He's still doing the same works regardless of what seminaries may tell you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The workings of the Spirit of God did not pass away with the apostles, but they are still present today. And I'll tell you what, they're still apostles. There's apostles in this room. You just don't realize it yet. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when Jesus shows up, the atmosphere changes. Why? Because when Jesus shows up, He brings His kingdom into the midst of this world. And, and this, the kingdoms of this world have no option but to change. The Word of God defines clearly what happens when Jesus shows up. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said these words himself. He said, there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. The reason why he showed up was what? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Then he might destroy the works of the devil. When Jesus shows up, the devil's works are destroyed. I know we're going through a lot of scripture. You're used to that. We just don't have it on the screen for you. So just take notes quick. Because I got a lot of notes. And if we're going to get through them, we got to keep moving. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says... It talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing, how many? All who were oppressed of the devil. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's what happens when Jesus shows up. And when Jesus showed up and he did these things, how did the people respond? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. That was so good. They went wild. They screamed, they shouted, they jumped, they ran. They didn't care what anybody thought. Why? Because they had encountered Jesus. Everything had changed. Everything had shifted. And they could not go back to the way they were before. That's what happened when Jesus showed up. But what happens when Jesus shows up today? Because we read in Matthew chapter 18. I know y'all don't. some of you don't like this. It makes you uncomfortable. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. We love this, this scripture. For where two or three are come together in my name, I am there with them. I'll be there in their midst. And we quote that. Listen, I, I've, I've prayed that and spoke that in so many churches. But let me tell you, that's an empty word most of the time. It is meaningless. You me tell you why? Because people are not gathering in the name of Jesus. They're gathering in the name of denomination. They're gathering in the name of convenience. They're gathering in the name of obligation. They're gathering in the name of ritual. There is very few people in the church of God today that are gathering for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is to seek the face of Jesus. When we get to that place where we seek Jesus, where you get two or three together, where all they want is Jesus, you will see His kingdom come. You will see His will be done. Everything will begin to change. Because He's still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, He does not change. When Jesus shows up, things are going to change. Folks, people are gathering today in the name of personal taste. Well, come on now. Listen, I, 
I haven't been in a situation, Chastity and I were talking about this recently. I've been in ministry 19 years this month. 19 years. I've been saved for about 19 and a half years. April of this year was 19 years since I gave my life to Jesus. That fall, I, I sat out on the road preaching and going to different places. By the end of that year, I was the youth pastor in this church. What other place can you think of that would take a guy that's less than a year old in the Lord and say, you're our youth pastor. I'm so thankful that they took a risk. Within just a few months, within just a few months of coming here, I got, I got saved and within a few months of that, I was traveling with Pastor Charlie. And we were going all the different places. It's been almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. This next year will be 20 years since highest praise. I need, you need to put out a platinum edition. <laughs> Remastered. Blu-ray. <laughs> Man, I got an education, though. Because I met Jesus in this place, and then, then I had a pastor who took me along with him. And listen, the greatest thing that you can ever do to learn about God is to follow a godly person. Just follow along with them and learn from them what God's showing them and, and from their experiences. One of the greatest things of my life. But we were talking about this the other day, that we've never been in a position in all of these years since we got saved, we've never been in a position where we were trying to find a church to go to. You know why? Because we've been in ministry ever since that moment. We got saved here, so this was naturally home. And so then when we began ministry, you know, as we, as we moved from place to place in ministry, that was where we were. So we've never had that place where, and I don't know how we would do it, but I know there's many people today, they're looking for, new, for, for a church that's home. But I want to tell you today, when you're looking for a place that's going to be home, there's only one thing you need to be looking for. And that is Jesus. Because many people today, they're saying, well, what kind of, what kind of children's programs do you have? What kind of youth programs do you have? Uh, do you have Wednesday night suppers? Do you, do, do you have a women's group? Do you have a men's group? What are they doing? What is it? We're trying to feed the flesh. We're trying to find a place that is comfortable. When it, Listen, the church was never about comfort. Go ask those people that I go minister to in India if they're there for comfort. When they're sitting there in 115 degree heat, packed in as tight as they can get, sitting on a concrete floor for four or five hours, they're not there because it's comfortable. They're not there because it's convenient. They're there for one reason, and that's because of Jesus. And so we don't need to gather in the name... Listen, some people gather together in the name of social activity. It's just another activity. It's like, you know, it's like going to the gym or, or playing ball or, you know, all these kind of things. Listen, I'm not against any of these things. But that's not what the church is about. That's not what the church is about. The church is supposed to be about one thing. And when the church gets about this one thing and starts taking that one thing to all those other places, folks, we're going to see revival take place. The question is, week after week, when you come in here, are you truly gathering in the name of Jesus? Is that your one pursuit? Is that the reason why you've walked through these doors? Because I can promise you, if, if two or three are gathered in this place, and your heart's desire is to seek the face of Jesus, 
It doesn't matter if anybody else walks in this room. You're going to encounter heaven and what God's going to do in you is going to shake this region. I can remember, listen, one of the reasons why I just got, man, I got messed up in this place. Because we didn't have locks on the doors back then. That was good and bad. And so here I was, I was 21 years old and I was one of the oldest people in this church. And you would walk in here, it did not matter what day, what time, it didn't matter. You could walk through these doors and there would be somebody sitting here. There would be somebody sitting here, teenagers with their Bibles open, studying together, praying together. Because I came up here many times for that reason myself and when I would get here there would already be people here. Because it was just an open door and people was coming and going all the time. And some of them were going with things that didn't belong to them. But that's another story for another time. But do we truly show up for Jesus? Because He must be the motivation, the driving force behind everything that we do. And if He cannot be the driving force behind why we come together on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, then how can you tell me that He's the driving force in the rest of your life? He must be everything that we're seeking for. He must be everything that we desire. And it starts right here in this house. But see, a lot of people don't really want Jesus to show up if we're totally honest. Because when Jesus shows up, it messes things up. When Jesus shows up, you can't have church as usual. When Jesus shows up, you may not get to preach. When Jesus shows up, you may, you know, you know I preach this in a lot of places. I mean, you, you know, you guys don't do this quite as much, but you know what? In some places, if Jesus showed up, Sister Sue might not get to sing her special. And if she don't get to sing her special, she won't be back next week. She'll take her microphone and go home. And so, many people don't want Jesus to show up because when Jesus shows up, it gets noisy. Because when Jesus shows up, people start getting healed. When a blind man opens his eyes and can see for the very first time, you better believe he's going to make some noise. When folks start getting out of wheelchairs, you better believe they're going to make some noise. And they're going to shake some people up when Jesus shows up. And so people don't want that. Because it's nice to be able to fit it into this nice little one-hour Meeting on Sunday morning. Jesus, come and meet me in this time. I've got, I've, I've got one hour chiseled out for you. After that, I've got to get to the buffet. You know, when Jesus showed up, you couldn't even have a good funeral. You know, there's people that, that, that was their job, was to stand there and to mourn the people who had died. And, and it just messed it up. They wanted to be able to stand there and do their duty. They wanted to be able to, to cry and weep and have a good funeral. Nothing like a good funeral. But Jesus would mess it up. He'd walk in there and raise them right back up. You see, when Jesus shows up, your order is disrupted. I know, listen, I know that God is a God of order. We've heard that many times, right? That's the reason why people are in, so, in, in such opposition against moves of the Spirit. Because God is a God of order. And so we know that God is a God of order, so He wouldn't do these things. How many of you know that God's order is different from your order? He doesn't do things the way you do them. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So how come we think that our order is His order? 
Show me in the Bible where he said, thou shalt meet from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock on Sunday morning. You shall sing, you shall sing three hymns, have one anthem, and your, and your sermon shall last 15 to 20 minutes, take an offering and go home. And don't forget to shake the preacher's hand on the way out the door. It's not in the Bible. In fact, if I was to look at the order of worship based on what I see in Scripture, I see that, man, they were meeting every day, going from house to house. They were breaking bread together on a daily basis. Man, Paul preached one time. He pre- I, I've been in places where they say, I preached too long. Paul preached so long that a guy got tired and fell out of a window and died. And Paul walked downstairs, raised him back to life, went back up and kept preaching till morning. And so we need to get out of this mindset. Listen, the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning, that's, that's an American thing. And how many of you know the American thing's not exactly working out for us? You know, when Jesus shows up, like I said, he messes things up. When Jesus shows up, thieves can't stay in the temple. He's going to identify people for what they truly are. And he's going to start kicking tail and taking names wherever he shows up. But people that are, are planning to be something or are trying to portray themselves as something that they're not. And so people don't want Jesus to show up. Because if he shows up, he might really identify who I am and what I'm doing here. We must make Jesus the focal point of what we do. It must be all about him. It can't be about us. Church should never be about us. When I'm looking for a church, it should never be about my wants or my desires. It should be, is Jesus in that house? If I go there, am I going to be with people who are seeking after God the way I am? We cannot be double-minded, as James chapter 1 verse 7 tells us, that a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from God. But that's what happens in the church many times. We have people who come in, who they want God to do His thing. But they also want to do their thing. You can't have it both ways. Are you totally surrendered to Him or are you still wanting to live your own life? We've got to come to that Galatians 2.20 moment where we say, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. We've got to come to that place where He is everything. We should be on His time, not asking Him to fit into ours. We should be adjusting to His schedule, not expecting Him to adjust ours. Listen, I can't tell you the number of times in my life that God's woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning wanting to talk. That does not fit in my schedule. Chastity's just going to sleep. Her schedule is totally opposite mine. Man, I've been snoring for hours at 3 a.m. The last thing I want to do is get up. But let me tell you, some of the greatest encounters I've had with God were in the middle of the night. And it wasn't in my schedule. It was His. So it's not, listen, I I believe that if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And so I believe right here today, you know what, if we we made this place an altar unto God and we just begin to seek him, he's going to show up. Because he will meet you where you're at. But there's many times when you're not even seeking that he's wanting to meet with you. And some of the greatest encounters you will have with God are the moments when you really don't want to. When it doesn't, it's not convenient for you. It's not what you're wanting to do. But he's got something he wants to talk to you about. And when you catered him when you give in and you say God but you're what I want and because I love you I'm going to I'm going to put everything aside it doesn't matter what I had planned I'm going to set all of this aside I was talking to a friend of mine over in Mississippi 
And they just had just an amazing time the other night. God just showed up and just was doing amazing things in the midst of them. The Holy Spirit was just touching people's lives. And it was a, I mean, it was just a, a very free place where you could just come in and worship God. And, 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 you know, I don't want to say it was Pentecostal because people start coming up with ideas of what that's all about. The Spirit of God was moving. That's all I can say. And there was a particular group of folks who come in and brought their youth group who were not used to those kind of things. But they were so, man, God got a hold of them. They were so hungry for God. It doesn't matter what church you come from. If you got a hunger for God, He'll meet you. And so they came into this place, and they were so hungry for God, and He met them in that place. But then they began to look at their clocks, look at their watches, and said, we've got to go, we've got to get back, because we've got to be ready for church on Sunday morning. And so they left before the service was over. And so the pastor said, it's okay, you guys go ahead. We understand, because they were several hours away. And so they left. And it wasn't long after that, they came back. And they said, we, we, we were going down the road, and we said, you know what, we can't go. We've, we've got to come back. We've got to come back. We've got to get to the place where we don't want to leave this place. We need to get to a place in our own prayer time where we don't want to leave that place. How many of you have been in that place where you've had an encounter with God and you know that you've got things you've got to do, but you just can't leave that place because it's such a precious moment with God? That's where we've got to be, church. We've got to have such a passion for Him that nothing else matters. We should seek His heart, His desire, His passions, not our own. Because here's what happens when we fall so in love with Jesus. Guess what? His passions become our passions. His desires become our desires. Our hearts start to beat as one, and everything that he's wanting to happen, that's what I'm wanting to happen. I let go of all the things. Listen, when I got saved and I came to this place, I had all these desires in my life, all these things I had wanted to do, and when I came in here and met Jesus, I put everything, I mean everything that I'd ever wanted to do, I set it aside. Because there was only one thing that mattered. But you know, the Scripture tells us if we delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. And what happened in the years that followed, things that, I, things that I had just forgotten about. I didn't even, it wasn't even in my mind anymore. I didn't even have a passion for it anymore because I was just passionate about Him. He began to give me those things that I'd wanted to try to do that would have taken so much effort on my part had I done it in my own flesh. But all those things I'd always wanted to do, He began to lay it in my lap and say, Here, here's your opportunity. And I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be in a band. I'd never done that prior to knowing Jesus. When I got saved, I set aside any aspirations of doing any kind of music. And then when I came to that point where Jesus was my everything, folks came to me and said, one guy came to me and said, would you be interested in singing in our band? He'd never even heard me sing. But he said, we like the way you minister from the stage. He said, we like the way you share the Word of God. And he said, that's what we want you for. Things that I'd always wanted to do. I don't think I've ever told Pastor Charlie this. At one point, I was getting ready to go to college. I even traveled to Ohio right after I got out of high school to go to a college to learn how to run a soundboard, to be a sound engineer and how to learn how to run all that stuff. And I planned to go up there and I got up to the college and then I really wasn't impressed with what I saw and so I, 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 I asked for a refund of my money and I came back to Alabama. This was, this was before I got saved. I went to Calhoun Community College with the same purpose, to pursue music, to be involved and to learn that same thing over there, how to do all that stuff. And so I got saved. I didn't care about any of that stuff anymore. All I cared about was Jesus. And I started traveling to Pastor Charlie, and he said, well, listen, I want you to, uh, you set up all the sound equipment, and you're going to be our sound guy. Wow. Look at 
And so I just learned as we went along. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told him I didn't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> we just did it. And we had a blast. But we must make Jesus our everything. Because when we make Him our everything, everything else will fall into place. This is a strong statement, but listen very closely. Evil prevails while we play church. Evil prevails while we play church. All across America, people are playing church. This past week, we had a little glimmer of hope that people would get a backbone about some things. Now, I'm not taking any sides on all this. I'm not even going to talk about what happened with all that stuff. But folks began to speak up just a little bit about something they believed in. Regardless of where you stand on the situation, it's about time that people began to speak up, especially the body of Christ. You see, when we get a revelation truly of who Jesus is, have we forgotten who He is? Because if we get a revelation of truly who Jesus is and make Him our only desire, our only focus, you better watch out. Because Peter had a revelation. They, Jesus was talking to his disciples one day, and he asked them, he said, who, does, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say that you're Moses, some say you're Elijah. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, well, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You've got a revelation from heaven, Peter. And upon this... Upon what? Upon this revelation. Not upon Peter. Peter was not, the, was not what he built his church on. Come on. Upon this revelation, I will build my church. And what did he say? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When we get a hold of who Jesus is, when we truly get a revelation of who it is that we serve, when we truly get a revelation of who it is we're coming together to seek, you better watch out. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against a church who knows who they are and they know who their God is. You want to see revival in America? We've got to come back to that place where we're gathering in the name of Jesus. You want to see salvation come to your family? Let Jesus be your prime, prime devotion. You want to see the Jesus of the Bible in your life? Cast aside every other thing that is trying to draw you away and let Him be your one desire. Pursue Him with everything that's within you. We've got to be in this position where we pray and we pray and we pray until Jesus shows up, until He comes. The people in the upper room, listen, they had no idea what they were in for. I mean, listen, what if Pastor Charlie told you, listen, I want you to gather at the church and I just want you to wait. Wait until Jesus shows up. You see, they didn't even know what they were looking for. He said, just wait for the promise of the Father. Wait, because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. What does that mean? We don't know what that's going to look like. And so they waited, and they prayed, and they waited, and they prayed, and they waited, and they prayed for ten days. And then all of a sudden, there was a sound as a mighty rushing wind who came and filled the place. And it looked as if tongues of fire were sat upon each one of their heads. And they all began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was an encounter with heaven. But it was something that, why, why did it come? Why did it, listen, there were people. It doesn't tell us this in Scripture. But you know, people left. They left before that time was up. They said, you know what? I've got somewhere I've got to be. We've been waiting Seven days, eight days, nine days. Some people probably left a couple of hours before the Holy Spirit came. 
I've told churches before when I was pastoring, I said, look, you're wanting to get out by 12 o'clock. But there's people here that need deliverance. There's people that need freedom. And freedom may not come to 12.05. Well, come and so we're not going to rush out of here. We're going to wait until, they, until Jesus shows up. Yes. You say, well, why didn't he just show up? We asked him to come. Why didn't he just show up? Listen, he's not, just a, he's not your, your slave just to do whatever you want him to whenever you tell him. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Another wonderful scripture we all know by heart, hopefully. It says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We know that, right? You go on over and reach verse 13, though. What does it tell you? He says, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You want the plans I have for you? You want the future I have for you? Then seek me with all of your heart. Because listen, I've got this in store for you, but don't think that I'm just going to hand it out like candy. It's something, if you've got to want me, if you want the plans I have for you, you've got to want me because I'm part of the plan. The United States of America is in shape it's in right now because God's people settled for church instead of saying, give me Jesus. They settled for church instead of saying, give me Jesus. We must have Jesus. We can't have empty religion. Don't stop short of an encounter of God with God just so you can get out by 12 o'clock. Don't be one of those who misses out. Listen, the revival that broke out in Brownsville, down in Pensacola years ago. I've watched the service at, at Father's Day. I think it was 19, I think it was 1995. I watched the video. In fact, John Kilpatrick himself, the pastor, said he was really getting tired. He really didn't want to be there that day. He didn't want to be in church that morning. He'd been praying for revival for years. And he didn't want to be there that morning. I think someone in his family had just recently passed away and he was just really worn out and, and, and he knew that Steve Hill was going to be coming. The evangelist was going to be coming in that Sunday morning. And he said, you know what? Steve knows me and he knows our church. I may just call him up and say, you know what, Steve? You just go ahead and take it. I'm just going to stay in and rest today. But then he remembered it was Father's Day and they were going to be honoring uh, the, the Father of the Year. So they had voted for the Father of the Year in the church and he remembered that the Father of the Year was the father of this little child that was constantly coming up to, to Pastor Kilpatrick every week and tugging on his pants leg. And he said, I've got to be there for that. I can't miss that. So he showed up and Steve Hill was up there preaching. And he's talking about this great move of God that he's experienced, I believe, down in South America. And he kept talking about God's going to do something here today. God's going to do something here today. And John Kilpatrick thought, well, let him go ahead and do it because I want to go home. And then all of a sudden, John Kilpatrick found himself flat down on the stage. The presence of God hit him and knocked him to the floor. This is the pastor. He wasn't in no Benny Hinn line waiting for somebody to tap him on the head. He's standing there on the stage and the glory of God hit him and he fell on the stage. And he didn't get up till 5 or 6 o'clock that afternoon. But you know what happened that morning? There was people that got up and left. You can watch the video. Before, before the presence of God filled that place and revival broke out in that sanctuary, there were people that got up and left because the service was dragging on too long. They had places they had to be. And if they came back for the night service, probably didn't, but if they did, what a surprise they walked into. Because when they came in for the night service, the people that were in the morning service were still there. When the children came out of children's church that morning because it had gone very long and so the children's workers were bringing the kids back over because they're like, well, we've got 
we got to get them back over the sanctuary. Something's obvious. They obviously forgot to come tell us church is over. And so they go back in there and they find the parents down on their faces weeping at the altar. And nobody was leaving that place. Over ten years of revival meetings took place because of what happened that day. They've been praying for revival. But many people missed that encounter that day. Thank God that he didn't just, just meet with them on that day. But that initial encounter that broke out that day, how many people got up and left and said, you know what, I don't have time for that. You know, we say we want Jesus to show up. We say that we want revival. But are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to pay the price? The price is this, our lives. We lay our lives down and we make Jesus it. Everything. He is our one devotion. He's the one we seek after. We must not settle for religious games. Our heart's cry must be, give me Jesus. I've said in this house before and I'll say it again. You cannot do anything and there not be a response from heaven. You cannot do anything and there not be a corresponding response. We know this, right? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Many times we think about that when we hear what you sow is what you're going to reap or you reap what you sow. We think of the negative. But can I tell you today that you cannot seek God with all your heart and Him not show up. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us this, without faith it's impossible to please God. First of all, we must come to Him and believe that He exists. And second, know that He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If we diligently seek Him, if our hearts cry is, give me Jesus, I'm not concerned about the program, I'm not concerned about all this other stuff. If Jesus is all we desire and we earnestly seek Him, you better believe there's going to be reward. How many of you know in America we need a reward right now? We need revival in America. And it's not coming through the election in November. It's coming through God's church. If it's going to come, it's coming through the church. Because judgment begins in the house of God. We cannot blame anybody outside the doors of the church for what is going on in America. Because people outside these doors are doing what they do by nature. Sinners naturally sin. So you cannot blame them. The ones we have to look at are the ones who are inside the church. The ones who are supposed to be influencing culture. The ones who are supposed to be bringing heaven to earth. Those who are supposed to be bringing God's kingdom to pass. Those who should know better. That's the ones that we need to be looking at. And it's us. It's me. Revival and change, it does not come through Washington, D.C. It starts right here. It starts with Jesus, the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee must bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. You see, I've read a lot of stuff this last week about God and about God's love. But let me tell you something. A lot of these people who are spouting stuff about God and God's love, they don't know the God that we know. Yes, He is a God of love. But let me tell you, there's a name that He's been given. That people don't want to hear that name. Because when you start interjecting the name of Jesus, we hear the name God all the time, but when you start using that name, Jesus, and you start interjecting Jesus into every situation, and every circumstance, every conversation, every debate, you start interjecting Jesus into it, it changes things. I want to tell you, when you interject the name of Jesus, get ready because demons are going to get riled up. When you start interjecting the name of Jesus, though, people are going to get set free. But we don't need to be ashamed to say the name of Jesus. We don't need to be ashamed to pursue Jesus with everything in us. We don't need to be ashamed of being fanatical. 
Pastor Charlie said it this morning. We should be a peculiar people, a different kind of folks. I don't want to look like the rest of the world, and I don't want to look like the rest of the church. I want to look like Jesus. Romans chapter 8 tells us that that was God's desire in the beginning. Before we were ever created, He determined that we would be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That's His desire for you to look just like Jesus. How are we going to look like Him if we're not encountering Him? We've got to get to know Him. We've got to welcome Him in. He's got to be everything if we're going to look like Him. But I want to tell you, whatever, you're, whatever the situation you're facing here today, we're going to close this up. We're going to try to wrap things up, hopefully. I can. That doesn't mean it's over, but... I don't know what's going to happen. But listen, it doesn't matter what circumstances you're facing right now in your life. I'm here to declare to you today that whatever it is that you're needing, it is all found in one place, and it's in Jesus. Everything that you need for life and godliness is found through the knowledge of Him. That's what, this, that's what the Word of God says. When Jesus shows up, all your needs are met. When Jesus shows up, He calms the storm. When Jesus shows up, He delivers you from all evil. When Jesus shows up, He forgives you of all of your sins. When Jesus shows up, He heals you. When Jesus shows up, He gives you power. When Jesus shows up, He gives you peace. When Jesus shows up, there is joy. When Jesus shows up, there's victory. All we need in America today is Jesus. All we need right now at World Harvest Outreach is Jesus. All you need in your family is Jesus. Listen, the drug addict, he doesn't need, he doesn't need your ritual. He needs Jesus. The unwed mother who's struggling to make ends meet, she doesn't need our program. She needs Jesus. Can I tell you today, if you're, if you're in this place and you're having a problem with drug addiction or alcoholism, Listen, I want to tell you today that you don't really need a 12-step program. You need a one-step program. You need Jesus. You need to make a step towards Jesus. Because in an instant, He can deliver you if He is your desire. People don't need a handout. We don't need a bailout. We need Jesus. You want to see the economy shift and everything change? Get Jesus back in the midst of everything. Let Jesus be Lord in the house of God. Listen, we don't need gun control. We need Jesus. How many of you know if you've got Jesus, I don't care who's got guns. If you've got Jesus, let them come on. We cannot afford in this hour to keep going on with business as usual. If If we're watching the news, if we're paying attention to the circumstances around us, it's not a time to fret. It's not a time to get discouraged. It's not a time to worry. Listen, there's things that I've heard over the past week that if you really stop and think about it, it will really get you shaken up. Folks, we're only a step away from some of the things that we've heard about from the time I was a little boy. Chips being planted in people's hands and their foreheads. They're already talking about doing it in India very soon. Because there's so many people and they can't keep up with all the folks. I've heard things this past week about these proposed, well, they're not proposed, they're actually there. K 
camps that are set up in case, in case things get out of control, in case we have a total economic collapse and, and people get out of control, they, they have a place to detain these folks. Folks that may be a threat to the government and threat to the safety of America. You know, years ago they would have called them concentration camps. They're here. There's FEMA camps all over the United States. It's present. Now what's going to happen, I don't know. But I know this much. The church of Jesus Christ is not to live in fear. We're to understand that Jesus is the name that is above every other name. There is only one that we answer to and His name is Jesus. And I know that whatever may come, He is the one that we must serve. We must not look to the left or to the right, but we must keep our focus on Him and Him alone. This is not the time to be playing games. This is not the time to be playing church as usual. This is the time to get serious. Because all of these things from beginning to end that we've been told they're coming, they're coming. But I want to tell you another thing. Jesus is coming. And He's coming back for a glorious church. He's coming back for a bride without spot or blemish. And I want to be the one that is ready for His coming. I want to be the one, just as John the Baptist was one who ushered Him in the first time, I want to be one of the ones that ushers His presence back in this next time. That's who we're supposed to be, church. We must come to that place where Jesus is everything. We must have Jesus. We must have Jesus. Because when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And the people that encounter Him are forever changed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You today for the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we thank You for transforming our lives and giving us an encounter, Lord, that has made us a different kind of folks. God, we thank You that before we were even created in our mother's womb, God, You knew who we were. You knew that what You created us for. Lord, that this was the time, this was the hour that you, in, that you intended for us to live because this is the church that You wanted to be in place when You came back. Lord, let us today, Lord, I just pray that You would intervene, Lord, that You would cause us to pull away from every preconceived idea and every preconceived notion about You. God, that we would truly seek to know Jesus and Him alone. That we wouldn't get caught up in doctrine. That we wouldn't get caught up in traditions. But Lord, that we would just seek Jesus. Jesus. You're all we need, Jesus. Jesus, you're all we need in this house today. Jesus, you are all we need in this house today. I'm going to give a simple invitation today. This is it. If your heart's cry is to see Jesus, to see Jesus lifted up, to be, see Him glorified, to see Him rule and reign in your life, in your family, in your church, in your nation. If you're ready to cast aside everything that's hindered, everything that's held you back, everything that's taken your focus off of Him, everything that's tried to hold you down. If you're ready to set aside and today you say, all I want is you. I need Jesus. I want you to hit this altar and let's pray together. Jesus. We surrender. Jesus, you're all.